if you go to the next slide, you'll see who's on our RFAC. We all know uh, who's everybody who's been on there. Uh, the next slide, if you look at it, is our financial goals. Uh, our financial goals are to keep our current ministry staff, to spend within our means, to plan our budget based on pledges, and to maintain a reserve of about 2.5. So we've had those goals for a number of years, and those are, continue to be our goals. Go to the next slide. So in March of this year, we had a presentation. We talked about where our finances were. And um, I let you know that we had ended at 1.9 times our weekly contribution, which was 2.5. So just so you know, one of my things I do as part of the Regional Finance Committee is I go to the Board of Directors for the LA Church. Every year at the, in December, we have to go through the finances and the budgets have to be approved. So we were at 1.9. So there were a number of people that asked questions about us being at 1.9. And we're not the only uh, region that, were there, that was there. Uh, but what we needed was we needed a plan. And the, the, the board said, well, we need a plan. You're not at 2.5, but you need to make sure you have a plan. Uh, just to let you know, other regions, when they've been down in their um, budgets, they, you know, they did different things to help with that. Uh, so we came up with a plan. And the, and the board said, OK, well, this year, it's fine. You can be at 1.9. Uh, but we really need to see you guys changing next year and going up. So we made the presentation in March. Uh, we set our weekly budget at 24,000. Uh, you can see there it says that we were at 23,690 at the end of December of last year. That was from April through December. You'll remember back in April, we really had a big kickoff. We went to two ministry centers. It was awesome. We were all giving. Everything was cool. Uh, January, February came. We were still at 23,675. Then I gave the presentation in March. Everything was great. And we're sort of, we, we, if, I remember I asked my daughter, I said, Naomi, do you remember what I said? And Naomi goes, yeah, Dad, you said that things were okay. <laughs> and that, that's how she described it. And I said, okay, amen. Well, then I, I did my part. So these are our current financials. Uh, since March, our weekly contribution has been 22,676. Um, so we've been basically we've had a decrease in our weekly contribution by $1,000 since the since March. And uh, we watch it every month. I mean, actually, Reese does a good job in making sure we all get the numbers. And it's, it's a little bit deceptive, actually, when you watch these budgets, because you see one month we're at 23, 6 something. In fact, I think one month we were at 24. But then we have a few months that we're at 20 and 21. And so the average is $1,000 a week less than we had budgeted. Our expenses, just so you know, are right where they're budgeted. We went over that last night. And we've really, for the most part, cut everything we can out of the budget. We've done that for a number of years. We kind of run really lean with our expenses. And then next year, um, as you all know, health care costs are, are still going up. And the cost of living, there will be some cost of living adjustments as well. So that's kind of where we're at with our current finances. So go to the next slide. So this is sort of the bottom line. So I work at the emergency department. We always deal with the bottom line. Uh, the bottom line, if we continue giving at our current rate, by December, we'll be at 1.7, which is far below. It's actually the opposite of where we should be going, whereas the, the board expected an upward trend, we'll be heading for a downward trend. And uh, last night we had a meeting with uh, the RFAC of the ministry, and uh, it was pretty clear from everybody there that we had to have a very sort of honest, open talk with everyone regarding what that means. So the next part says, if there's not a significant change in our weekly contribution, what it means is we will either lose ministry staff and or ch change facilities. And quite frankly, the biggest part of our budget, uh, as you all know in any job, is uh, 
salaries. So there's a very, very good chance that if we do not change where we're going and what we're doing, that we're going to change our, we'll have some change on the ministry staff. And uh, it's uh, real life God's way. And that's kind of the bottom line. Um, so you can see that in order to reverse the trend, we need to go from $23,000 a month or a week to approximately $25,000 a week if we really want to hit our goals. And that's sort of where we're at. Uh, so I, that's kind of where we are. And I want to end with this last picture. I did this at, at, our last, at our last time because of all the kids that are in this picture right now, this I think, I think maybe four or five in K or something when we took this picture, seven of those nine kids are currently in our teen ministry. A number of those children are baptized. And so there's, and that's happening because we have a really strong teen ministry. We have a really strong campus ministry. We have a great family ministry. We have a great singles ministry. And I know, uh, you know, I just left the back to school night and I hear all these people asking for money for La Cañada. And uh, I just want to say to you, we, we really need our ministry staff. And we really need to do whatever we can to sort of turn this around. The good news is uh, you can build your faith because God is still faithful. And uh, we have, I think we have some great plans, uh, which will include all of you. And you're going to be hearing about those in just a minute. So Rob Cosberg, I believe, is coming up right now to give us a message on Malachi. Hi, everybody. How are you tonight? You know, first let me say, thanks for being here tonight. You know, there's a lot of places you could be tonight, right? Like, what's on TV on Wednesday night? You guys know. You don't go to midweek every Wednesday night. What? You could be watching that garbage right now. But you're here. You need to go ahead and give yourself a little pat on the back. Don't hurt your shoulder now. Don't, don't go too deep. Over your Bibles to uh, Malachi chapter 3. That's the last book of the Old Testament. You know, Mike, uh, Mike shared some things that are challenging, right? Uh, I love our staff here. Wow. I don't even like the thought of what Mike shared. And I honestly blame him more than anybody else for that. Just kidding. Love Mike. Um... You know, I, I've moved my family out here three years ago, Connie and I and, and our three boys. Uh, I couldn't be more thankful for the Lewis and the job they do leading the region. Couldn't be more thankful for the youth ministry, both teen and campus. You know, I have a 13-year-old that, you know, just his best friend is Daniel Lua. He's so tied in. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, a, lot of guys, a lot of you guys know here, you know, I got a serious bromance going on with Reese and with Marty. Uh, I use that terminology because Marty hates that. Uh, his son actually said, you got, you got a real bromance going on, and he was just so offended by that. So now you all know <laughs> the truth there. Uh, anyway, look, I got 20 minutes. Uh, who knows how much, many more minutes, so I can barely say my name in 20 minutes, so let's, let's like get into this. Um, I, uh, I, I said, I, I, lo I love this church. I love you guys. I, I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak. Uh, and we have a great opportunity in front of us to do some really cool things and to see God work in ways that maybe we haven't in our own personal lives ever or in a long, long time. That to me is really cool. So Malachi chapter 3, look at verse 6 with me. I'll read through this. You guys know this. You know this story. And if you don't, you'll read it for the first time and go, wow. Hopefully you'll go, wow, how cool. 
Verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. Well, that, that's kind of a lesson in and of itself, because we're going to talk Old Testament, New Testament. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you're robbing me, bring the whole tithe, or tenth, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Only time in the Bible the Lord allows it. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Wouldn't you like all your neighbors to say, that dude is blessed? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That sounds good to me. This is Old Testament. Old Covenant. I think for a lot of us that have read this before or know the story, we have to answer some questions about this. And hopefully in the next few minutes... I'm going to give you some evidences or proofs one way or another for you because you need to come to your own convictions about whether or not this applies to your life today. That, that's the real question when we open the Bible. I know that's an iPad, but that's the Bible. You see that? Isn't that cool? Get with the 90s. I mean, this stuff is awesome. So we got to ask two questions. Number one, does this still apply? It's Old Testament, right? But does it still apply? Number two question, what does it mean for me personally? Okay, so let, let's, let's think about that just for a second. Our first thought, and those of us who have been around any length of time, or been around any kind of Christianity any length of time, would say, well, there's nothing commanded in the New Testament about tithing, right? We know what tithing is. Tithing means giving a tenth. And throughout the entire Old Testament, the Jews were to tithe and give offerings. Actually, what the Jews gave was 23 and a third percent. That was their required contribution to the Lord. Okay? 23 and a third. So when we think of tithing, we immediately think of 10%, but when the Lord thought of it, somehow 10% added up to 23.3%. That's God's math. Really cool, because he ends up blessing it significantly more. So we have to ask ourselves, if tithing isn't specifically commanded in the New Testament, are there some other scriptures where we can gain some inference as to what direction we should go in our giving? And you know what the cool answer is? Yes. So I thought of a couple of scriptures, and I'll share the two that I thought of. The first is a scripture that most of us are familiar with. It's in Luke 14, 25. It's one of the scriptures that those of us that are disciples and have been disciples for any length of time remember studying, right? There, there's, Jesus tells this story about two kings that are about to go off to war. Remember that? And he says, look, one king is incredible, and he's going to dominate the other king. And so that king that has the lesser army and he's going to be destroyed, what should he do? That king should say, you know what, let's send a delegation while the other king is still a long way off and ask for what? Terms of peace, right? What are the terms of peace to Jesus? Total surrender, right? He is Lord, total surrender. So he goes on to say this. In the same way, this is verse 33, Jesus' words. In the same way, those of you who do not give up what? Everything 
you have cannot be my disciple. Last I checked, everything is slightly more than 10%. That's interesting, right? Slightly more. Gives us some indication, okay, New Testament, Old Testament, how do these things apply? You have to have the attitude of giving up everything when you become a disciple of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? It actually is. The second thing that we have to, or the second scripture that I thought of that gives us some indication of what we should do is this whole idea of New Covenant, Old Covenant. You know, New Testament, Old Testament. The Old Testament was this way, and, and there were these commands and legalistic rituals, and we left that behind just like we left animal sacrifices, right? No one's going to bring, you know, a Siamese cat up on the altar here and slit them open and say, and yes, Lord, we give this Siamese cat to you. I hate cats, so that's about the only animal I feel okay about sacrificing. You get that, right? The Jews did not sacrifice cats. Uh, all Jewish people dislike cats. Um, so, you know, the other, the other scripture I thought of is in Hebrews chapter 7. Listen to this, yeah. Hebrews 7, verse 22. Write this down and look at it later. It's a cool scripture. The writer of Hebrews says this, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Okay, so we have the old covenant, Old Testament, and we have the new covenant, the New Testament, right? And the writer of Hebrews says, look, guys, the old covenant was this way. The new covenant that Jesus is the guarantor of, it is better. Right? It's better. So reason with me for a second. Rationally speaking, should we give less to a better covenant and a better sacrifice than our Old Testament brothers and sisters did? I don't think so. Now, remember, we have to ask the question, does this still apply? How does this apply to our lives, and what does it mean for me? So, I shared some scriptural proofs, but you know, there's actually like some physical evidence that we can really look at for a second, which is kind of cool. Go ahead and flash that first slide up there if you could. Um, as I was studying for this, because I shared this last Sunday with uh, the brothers and sisters in Lifeway Glendale, I came across this study that, that had been done. It's the largest study of its kind in churches all across the United States. It's up there. Look at that. That's so cool. Technology, like I told them to do it and they did it. Amazing. So here's the study. Over a five-year period, they studied tens of thousands of contributors in Christian churches all over the country, all 50 states. It didn't matter what their income level was, it didn't matter what their job type was, it didn't matter what socioeconomic strata they were, they just looked for two things. Do they give 10% or more to charity in their church, or do they give less? Those were the only things. And they wanted to know, maybe they weren't out to prove this one way or another, but it does. They wanted to know what the ultimate results were. Here's the ultimate results if you can't see that really specifically. Number one, only about 15 to 20 percent of, of any congregation gives a tithe or more. I hope that's not true for us. But that's, that's the fact across 50 states and across churches all over the United States. Here's the thing that is most impressive and gives us some evidence as to whether or not this applies to us today. Number one, of, well, overall, first of all, overall tithers' finances were significantly better than those that did not tithe. Significantly better. And here's how it was significantly better. Number one, 80% of all people who tithe have no credit card debt whatsoever. Is that cool? Would you like to have no credit card debt whatsoever? That probably means you have some credit card debt. Okay. Better not to have credit card debt. Number two, 
of tithers had no car payment whatsoever. And they don't all drive a 1999 Grand Marquis, okay? Or what year is that? 2000, sorry, 2000. It's in the new millennium. Okay? 74% no car payment whatsoever. No credit card debt, no car payment. Now here's the thing that gets you, you Californians. 48% of them own their home free and clear. Now you may say, well, they're probably in Arkansas or Alabama or Mississippi, right? No, it's across all 50 states, not just where housing values are a little bit lower than in Southern California. Many of us would just like to own a home, let alone having a home free and clear. When you look at these evidences, I mean, just as a scientist, you step away and you just look, you have to say that there is a correlation, right? Isn't there a correlation between those that give 10% and more and, and having better finances? Yes. Five years of studies. Tens of thousands of people. You can download this study online, by the way. Christianity Today and I can't remember the other one, but just, just do the tither study and you'll come across it. 27-page study. If you're bored and you want to sleep well at night, read through it. But trust me, this is what it says. This is the correlation. Here's something that was powerful to me. And this is something that you're thinking yourself right now, I guarantee it. They asked the tithers and the non-tithers the same question. They asked the tithers, why do you think your finances are better? And the tithers said, well, why do you think they said? They said, because we give 10% to the Lord. In other words, they said, well, because the Lord said so, in Malachi, he's blessed my finances, and I'm better off because I gave. They asked the non-tithers the same questions, and the non-tithers said, well, I don't give because I don't have the finances to do so. Interesting. Interesting. So does it apply? I think the scriptures and the evidence say that it does. That's the first question, and that's the evidence and the scriptural proof for me, personally. You have to make a decision for yourself, right? In one sense, we looked at church finances, but, you know, we don't go to heaven as a church. You know, we can't just kind of slide in with the crowd. All right, look, Al's going in. I'm going to sneak in right behind Al. No. I mean, we go in one at a time, right? So this has to apply for you. You've got to decide what this means for you. I've got to decide what it means for me, right? So the second question, what does it mean for you? Let me share a couple of things and we'll be done. Back to Malachi chapter 3. These are really cool promises. Don't look at this negatively, guys. This is not negative. This is awesome. This is God saying, hey, test me. I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to do amazing things for you. That's great stuff, guys. This is not bad news. This is like beautiful. Look in verse 10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Give 10%. Bring it that there may be food in my house, test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for it. Go ahead and put the next slide up if you would. The first thing, I want to share just two of these promises. There are actually, depending on how you look at it, there's as many as seven. But I want to share two of the promises for bringing the whole tithe in the storehouse. You know what that is? That is a dam you've never heard of, and that's the floodgate of that dam. Okay, maybe you've heard of it if you're, you know, a damn nerd or something. I didn't mean it like that, okay? I meant, yeah. Here we go. Here we go again, Reese. Here we go again. <laughs> the stuff that just comes out of my mouth. Why do they let me up here? 
I mean, you may be thinking that. All right, so the, the, the name of the dam is the Glen Canyon Dam. Okay, you ever heard of that? Raise your hand if you heard of that. Well, you heard of it because I shared it on Sunday. You don't count. All right, the Glen Canyon Dam. It's a dam that actually holds back some of the water in the Grand Canyon, okay? They were actually looking to flood part of the Grand Canyon. And so they opened the floodgates of the Glen Canyon Dam, and every single second that it was open, 42,000 cubic feet of water passed through. Look, look at that. There's a, you know, a grown woman there standing. I mean, literally, these floodgates are gigantic. What must the floodgates of heaven look like? What must they look like? I mean, our, our thinking, I, I'm with you, child. I mean, come on. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody that understands faith in the Lord right there. Man. All right, we got to move on. You get that? Floodgates of heaven, guys. Not little blessings. Not, oh, I'm going to eat by this month. Oh, I mean, the Lord, the Lord wants people to be saved. The Lord wants made, uh, massive, beautiful, amazing things to be done. And he's going to use us to do it. Not in a small way, in a big way. The number two thing that he says, go ahead and throw the next slide up there, which is kind of cool, or the number two thing that I'm going to focus on. He says in verse 11, I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops. And the vines in your field will not drip their fruit before it's ripe. That's a, that's a, a swarm of locusts. Oh, I can't remember where it was. I believe it was going from Jordan to Israel that wiped out, you know, just generations of crops. I don't know about you, but I feel Satan's attacks in my life, in my marriage, with my children, in my business, I feel it. I feel the devourer coming into my life. I feel him wanting to destroy parts of my life, wanting to destroy friendships, wanting to destroy my marriage, wanting to see my children destroyed. You know what I would like? I would like somebody of supernatural power to hold back that devourer. You know what I'm talking about? Because I can't do it myself. The Lord says, when you do this, I'm going to hold that back. I'm going to hold your enemy back from devouring your crop. Wouldn't that be awesome? I know this is challenging. I know that it is. I know the thought, if you don't give 10% or more, I know the thought of doing that is like, how in the world will we do that? You know, in, in my business, and I'll, I'll kind of end with this. In my business, I, I do consulting and coaching for business owners. I help them to do books, and it's a fairly significant cost. It's, it's pretty expensive. We launch the books, publish them, make them bestsellers. And every single month, I will have people that ask me for free advice. And what I've learned about free advice is that generally, to the person receiving it, it's worth exactly what they paid for it. Nothing. Oftentimes, in fact, far and away, they do nothing about it. Occasionally, I will come across somebody bold enough to say to me, I want you to do everything that you would do for twelve dollars or $15,000 for me for free, and I will pay you for it. I'll pay you more after the fact. So do all the work, do everything that you need to do, and then when I do real well, then I'm going to give you even more than you would have gotten before. This is what I say to them. And I say this almost verbatim. I say, I understand it's a serious investment for you, 
and maybe the timing's not right and you just need to come back another time or whatever. I say, but I want you to understand something. If you don't have faith enough in yourself to make this investment, then how in the world can I have faith in you? I think this is the way the Lord looks at us. See, the Lord, Lord's saying, you need to take the first step here. I know we want our finances to be blessed so we can in turn bless. Hopefully. Right? That's just not the way it works, though. It doesn't. Lord says, okay, here's my promise. Do you trust me? You say you love me. I believe you love me. Do you trust me? Here's my promise. I'm even telling you to test me. Will you take a step? See, that, that's what the Lord is asking us. Not just tonight. You know, this was written 2,500 years ago. But tonight we're coming to grips with some of the things that are going on in our own personal finances and in the finances of the church. So I think the Lord is using this opportunity to challenge you and to challenge me to go ahead and take that step of faith to do what you and I need to do, not just for our church collectively, but so that our lives can be blessed the way he promises it'll be blessed. Does that make sense? Amen. I hope it does. That's all I have to say about that. Have a great night. That was outstanding. You know, we started the year uh, with our theme for the year, which was Step Out. Atrevete, right? And you guys remember the image with the foot kind of uh, stepping out into the uh, crosswalk there? Uh, you know, crosswalk being something very symbolic because that's where God wants us to step into. Into the cross, into living like Jesus, into following Jesus. And, you know, it's not the easy way. It's, it's the way of faith. And uh, the focus on stepping out this year was in three different ways. We're stepping out on faith. We're stepping out of our comfort zone. And stepping out for God. And I think, you know, God has uh, answered our prayers in really putting us in a situation where we need to step out. I think there's really no other way about it. I think God has put us in this situation and God is bringing us to this moment for us to learn this important lesson about really trusting Him and putting our lives fully in His hands and understanding that His sovereign power will care for us in every single impossible way we can think of. And I think it's, it's our opportunity to step out for God. And uh, I think, you know, that's the way I feel. And I really believe that God has brought us to this place because he, he knows and believes in us to respond. Uh, he believes that we will respond in a correct way. And I believe that our ministry will respond in a great way. I really do believe that. I believe that about every single brother and sister. And, and we really want to make sure that this message that Rob spoke and the challenge that I think we're going to take tonight spreads out into all of our brothers and sisters, the ones who are helping in children's ministry, the ones who were not able to be here. We want you to spread it out to everybody because this is something that we all need to do together. We all need to step out. Because I believe God doesn't just want us to barely make it. I believe God doesn't just want us to make sure we don't lose staff or facilities. I believe God wants us to dream for greater things and to advance and to really uh, make disciples of this area and grow and have an impact in our communities. Amen. And so I think that given that God has brought us to this place and he's calling all of us to take the Malachi challenge.
And that's something we discussed with the Regional Financial Advisory Committee and the brothers is really, you know, well, let, let's, let's just put it out there. For every single brother and sister, we're not going to take pledge cards. We're not going to ask you to write it down. This is going to be you before God. Get on your knees. Talk about, you know, your situation. And answer that test from God where he says, test me in this. And we want to ask you that for the next four months, so that would be for September, October, November, and December, that you would decide to put God to the test in the way that He asks us to. That you would decide if you're not tithing, to say, you know what, God, I'm not at that situation or that position, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put you to the test. And to take the Malachi challenge, to decide, you know what, I will begin tithing. I will begin looking at my, at my finances and see how God has blessed me. You know, according to how God has prospered me, then I'm going to take 10%, which is His, and make sure that goes back to Him. And that's the challenge that we want to put here before you today. And uh, that's a simple challenge. <laughs> the tithe challenge. Oh, there you go. And that, that was actually in Rob's uh, uh, um, uh, presentation there, which I think is so clever. That is a tight challenge that we want to put before you today. And uh, it kind of shocked me a little bit there. But I, I think that's what God wants to put before us today. And if you are giving a tithe, I think, hey, it's a great opportunity for you to even consider. Hey, can I give more? Am I able to give more? I really believe and I know that we cannot outgive God. And so what we're going to be doing here for the next four months is we're going to be talking about this. And we're going to be cataloging this in the way that we want many of us here to take moments to share. And to share about how is God working our test. I mean, what's happening in our lives? I put God to the test and seen testimonials in our, in our lives. But I, because I really believe if we take this step, this is going to be huge for us spiritually. You know, Martin Luther uh, mentioned that there's three conversions. There's a conversion of the, of, the heart, of the mind, there's the conversion of the heart, and then there's a conversion of the wallet. And I think some of us might be there, you know what I'm saying? We might be, hey, we're converted in our mind, we're converted in our hearts, but our wallet is a little bit behind. And God is saying, you know what, put me to the test. I mean, trust me for reals. Believe in me for reals. For realsies. You know, and I am going to be with you. And uh, we're going to be, uh, we've already set this, where there's a date on December 3rd, we're going to be having another regional midweek. And that regional midweek is just going to be a night of celebration, a night of singing, and a night of many of you to come up and share what God has done in your life. Because, you know, when you look at Malachi, it's talking about blessings, and it's talking about physical blessings, but... Much more is talking about spiritual blessings. And the last word in the book of Malachi is curse. I don't know if you guys knew that. And so, you know, the Old Testament talks a lot about blessings and curses. Well, the Bible says that Jesus became a curse for us. He took that curse upon himself. And so really what's left for us is grace. Really what's left for us is blessings. And what God is putting before us is not, hey, do this, or if not, you're going to be cursed. Is do this because you have been blessed. And because you've been blessed, trust me fully and test me 
and see if I do not open the floodgates of heaven. So when you get a moment tonight, take some time maybe with your family, with your wife, or you personally go up and, and pray to God and think about your finances. Think about what God, how God has blessed you. And take the Malachi challenge. And take that test that God has called us to. And I believe that is a step of faith that, call, that God is calling us to do. You know, I believe if we do that, we're not going to be talking about 1.9, 2.5. Some of us are like, what exactly does that mean? We're not going to be talking about losing staff. We know what that means. Or facility issues. We know what that means. We're going to be talking about how much God has blessed our life. Because we took a step of faith for Him. Amen? Brothers I think God has spoken to us. It's up to us to act now. And uh, let's go ahead and end with a prayer for God to work in our hearts to respond to His challenge. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Father, we're so grateful that uh, even in the midst of difficulty, You bring us to moments like this where we can decide to fully trust You. We can decide to put our full and absolute trust in Your sovereign power and in Your sovereign will. And Father, we are so blessed. I mean, just the fact that we live where we live, that we have the opportunities that we have, we are incredibly blessed. And we're grateful. And Father, we want to prove uh, our gratitude with our giving. Help us to overcome our faithlessness. Help us to overcome our fear. Help us to overcome uh, the challenges that we're facing. Father, help us to overcome the obstacles and help us to trust you fully and to wait on your response uh, of these blessings that you will bring into our lives. Father, we do this not because we want to be blessed. We do this, Father, because we are blessed and because we are grateful. And I know being, uh, being in, 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 in the conference and hearing brothers and sisters share from India and the Middle East who undergo incredible persecution. Incredible challenges and yet are so filled with joy. I'm so challenged, God, to, to become more of that in my heart. For us to become more of that as a church. I pray you bless every brother and sister. Work in their hearts and their minds. Even the ones that are in children's ministry right now. I pray that as they hear the message on, online or hear the message on CD. That you would work in their hearts. So they got together as a church. We, we would take a step of faith for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless the rest of your week and the rest of your day. Amen. <laughs>